Hello and welcome to Hit the Target Podcast, powered by Hollywood Bets. I'm your host, Deshwan, and with me in studio today is football analyst Nigel Naika, as well as Lalita Bodlani, who's making his Hit the Target debut today. <laughs> Gents, welcome. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, good to see a new face in the studio. Yes. Yeah. Nigel? Um, thanks for, uh, thanks for um, welcoming, welcoming us, Desh. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Sure, of course. And, uh, you know, we want to extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners of 2024. 2023 was a great year for um, SPN as well as um, Hit the Target. And, you know, we just want to be here and provide you with the latest and greatest football hits. Um, this episode is going to be dedicated to P, uh, EPL transfers. And, you know, with the transfer in the open and the amount of money that's been splashed around in recent years, I think that it's going to follow suit. Most definitely. I think uh, Chelsea have been serial spenders. And, yeah. Uh, also push that spending up in the Premier League by the average up. So uh, I expect the same to continue in Jan. Mm. You know, funny you the one to speak because as an Arsenal supporter, I think mm. you guys have spent the most on the back-to-back windows, if I'm not mistaken. I think second most considering Chelsea have spent like a billion. But yeah, we have been high spending. Um, but yeah, I guess in the stage of our squad rebuild, it calls for uh, those game changes and those game changes come high. Mm. Uh, yeah, with Declan Rice especially. Yeah. Um, let's just keep the conversation on Chelsea, actually. I think that's a good place for us to start. Can they actually afford to spend more than they did previous years now? I think currently with what Todd Bowley is doing, they are in a position to spend more because he's deferring these contracts over a long period. So he's breaking up. You basically, on an Enzo contract who's eight years, you're spending like 12.5 a year, which is not bad. You can really do that in the book. So I think they have the capacity to spend and they will. Mm. Um, Luis, I have a question for you. Can yes. you see Victor Simon joining Chelsea? Do you think that they're going to splash the cash on him? Uh, personally, I don't think so because like, Chelsea needs to also comply with FFP. And I think now, like Nigel alluded, spending over a billion yeah. in transfers. I know they've got players that are going to, well, the one player, Jackson, is going to AFCON. Mm. But I think they've got enough in the tank to actually pull through Maybe in the summer, maybe they'll actually spend more. I know they're linked with loads of strikers, including the Napoli hitman, uh, Osimhen. He's also linked to Chelsea. So best believe, like, Chelsea's got the money, but I don't think this transfer window, Pochettino, is going to do anything. Mm. You know, the, the danger of offering those long-term deals, Nigel just, Nigel just mentioned that I think seven years he's deferring those payments over the length of the contract. But look at a play like Mikhailo Mudrik, who hasn't quite hit the ground running. In fact, he hasn't even hit the ground. Uh, like It's been incredible how poor he's been. I thought for a, a hundred mil signing, he should be straight into the lineup and delivering. But it hasn't been the case. And imagine, that was a player that was linked to, to Arsenal. So with that, I think it's more of a project thing. Pochettino's been hired for a project. Uh, Mudrik, he's on a long term as much as all the other Chelsea players. So best believe he'll be there for the long haul. Mm. Can you see other clubs offering as long as seven years later? I think now the Premier League have cracked down on it. They've now made it a five-year uh, length. Yeah. So yeah, they've capped it after Bowley has found all these loopholes. So I think the five-year cap works well, both for player and club. Uh, it, it takes out the risk of um, Mikhailo Mudrik uh, underperforming in his eight-year contract um, for both the player and the club because you don't want a player sitting on, on, on the bench trying to 
wear wear out his contract over a long time you know just getting paid i mean i think jaden sancho is a prime example um on 350k a month uh just a sit week. a week a sorry week, yeah. just sitting mm. and, and, and not playing so yeah i think that's actually a good place to move on to because sancho has been linked with turn to brush at dortmund can you see that actually materializing i can see that happening not only for man united because clearly he's not in ten hag's plans and for dortmund who it's it's a welcome home for him he's known in dortmund he's played there for a number of years and i think dortmund need a player like that just to kick on from their bundesliga uh don't know really where they're sitting but of course they're sitting within the top 5 so they just want to kick on and hopefully push for a title perhaps a season perhaps or next season who knows yeah i think the last time i checked they were in the top three against leverkusen and uh bayern munich for the honors and then Dortmund at the chasing pack but you know you look at a club like Borussia Dortmund and having lost Bellingham, Haaland um and Sancho I guess maybe you know if they get one of those players back you know they could really hang their hopes um on those and uh, and play through through that yeah I think he would be a great addition um he's lit up the Bundesliga in the past and um if you're considering the smart business that Dortmund do I mean this would be extra smart business mm. getting a top player on him on a cut deal would yeah. be really good you know you mentioned smart business and man united haven't done anything remotely smart i mean if you look at the business they've done releasing the hair bringing in anana but now anana's going to afcon for a month so now they're going to play with um there's a turkish goalkeeper um first ever turkish player to play for man united so uh you know credit to him but i'm not sure if you know releasing the hair at the time that that they did because he had won the the goalkeeper of the season the golden gloves so- Yeah and um he's been part of the furniture I think 7 to 8 years he's been in the club um, I think Ferguson was the one that brought him in and you know he's seen the club go through so many changes the evolution of the club uh, and really the demise of the club do you think he should have stayed do you think Onana has worked out for them um Onana hasn't really worked out for him it, it's fair to say it's been 6 months in you know he's been conceding goals the hair he's also had a, a poor time last season but for Ten Hag He has his way. He wants a goalkeeper that can play out from the back, use his feet, and De Gea was just not that guy. No, on the same uh, chain of thought, Aaron Ramsdale made a few errors and he was out within a few months. Like he was promoted and then demoted, and that's just the the ruthlessness that Mikel Arteta had. Do you think Ten Hag should um, follow suit to that? I think definitely he should in terms of managing his squad, but. he's proved time and time again that the management has been poor in terms of squad building um like decisions like bringing in onana knowing that he has to go to afcon selling your best goalkeeper um also bringing in onana when your defense is also not capable of playing out from the back mm. and putting pressure on them cuz onana would a good point. concede good point. concede a lot of goals but based on on the defense and what's in the front, ball right 100% then, yeah. um yeah yeah um excellent excellent point Naj. In fact, I was actually watching that. You've got a ball-playing center back. Uh, excuse me, a ball-playing goalkeeper, but not a ball-playing center back. Yeah. You know, he's giving the ball to uh, Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire, who again are not technically blessed. Yeah, I think if you watch the Champions League final, where Onana was just on another level in that inter-team, you saw him spreading passes in a team that is capable of doing it. He looks so good. This United team is just not capable right now. He doesn't have the quality to do it. So, but take a bow for Johnny Evans. You know, this is a guy mm. who was lost in the wind from Leicester. 
coming in yeah coming in as a as a free agent and now looks like he's they're gonna trigger uh another one year extension so shout out to johnny evans 35 year old johnny evans congratulations new deal at united um speaking about players who got a new deal at man united marcus rashford mm. i think he pinned a five year not so long ago i think six months ago I think he was slim picking. I think I think he was deserving of the contract. Mm-hmm. Um I think his form has dipped since. Um and I also think he's a luxury player. He's a player that United don't really need in their squad right now. He's a player maybe for Real Madrid or PSG where the team is complete and they need a goal scorer. Right now United need every player to press and to join the team. Rashford doesn't. Mm. So, do you think um maybe not prioritizing Harry Kane? an option for Rasmus Hoyland has worked out for them because you look at where Kane is right now look at where Hoyland is right now project project um i guess that's the name of the of the theme of the season where man united they wanted somebody young who's inexperienced that will grow yes he could have actually went for kane i think kane would have been a valuable asset for man united with a holland but i think they couldn't make, really buy the both of them because Tottenham, as you know, they drive a hard bargain with Daniel Levy. He'll push the, you know, he'll push the bank up right to the max. So, yeah, it's, more, it's, it yeah. The price that uh, Bayern had forked out for Kane. Yeah, yeah. So, it's Man United's loss, but definitely Bayern's game. You mentioned the word project. And I want to ask you, do you think that will safeguard Eric Tenog? You know, because he's got all these plays that are a part of the Ten Hag project, the revival. I think Ten Hag is maybe copying what uh, Mikel Arteta did in his first season, winning a cup. Um, I would always say this. Arteta was saved by his first season winning the FA Cup. With Ten Hag, he had won the League Cup. And uh, ever since then, you know, it's a thing. that final, the FA Cup final. 100%. So it'll always be a thing of let's just give him time, give the manager time. But for how long, Dish? How long should fans and we across you know the world we should be giving their coaches patience, time patience and such like say the you know you mentioned luxury Nigel and I think patience time that's a luxury in football like it's a results driven business and um, you know again if they say who do they bring in then it becomes mm. a whole nother uh, three three season long uh, you know spell where the, the, the real fans are punished I mean um, having had the privilege to watch a game at Old Trafford, I could tell you right now that the fans are not happy. Yes, they scored when they beat Chelsea. Every goal that went in was celebrated. Other than that, silence. And that's just because the fans are not happy with what they're seeing. You know, looking at Sancho, how he hasn't really worked out. Uh, Rashford, again, scores first season, blank, nothing. Uh, oh, no, no, you know, the, the, the defensive casualties, the, the nightmares at the theatre of dreams has been incredible. <laughs> Yeah, it's a shambles. Um, I think this is the most league defeat since 1930. That's the stat I saw. and That, that shocked me. I, th- I think the downfall just continues. And it goes back to the management of the squad. And you say, like, missing out on Harry Kane. Harry Kane should have been a United player maybe five, six years ago. And I think if Sir Alex was still in the club, he would have been there. And maybe even Declan Rice would have been a Manchester United player. That was the culture at United. These big name players, English players, joined this club. And yeah, it's fallen off. So, I mean, I saw a stat actually saying that if Man United would have won the league if they'd gotten Declan Rice, both Declan Rice and Harry Kane. So, 
You know, yeah. guys, on the same note, I also saw a stat. <laughs> yes. And um, this actually came from SBN and goes like this. Since the beginning of September 2023, September 2023, that's just one month after the league starts. Right. Manchester United have scored nine goals in their eight home league games. It's the fewest from all top like clubs. The fewest. So that tells you something. Like, yeah. Old Trafford is screaming out for a hero. Nine goals, eight home league games. Ganacho, he, maybe Ganacho can be the one. Maybe. He's also got a, a new deal. And, you know, you look at that goal against Everton. Everton. I think probably talking Puskas level goal. Yeah. Because that was, that was sensational. Amazing. And, you know, the audacity. No way to begin running away from goal. The technique. England, England goalkeeper in the nets. Away. Ending, yeah. yeah. It's like incredible. It was a gem of a goal. And he's a gem of a player as well. At the age of 18, to be pulling this United team up in, in the manner that he's yeah. doing it, it, it really is impressive. Um, yeah, so yeah, hats off to him. You know, I really was uh, going to say impressed by him when I think it was Man United versus Man City at, uh, at the theatre when Rashford scored, but it was Ganache shimmied the defender and played the ball blindly across the, the six-yard box and, and lo and behold, Marcus Rashford was there, so he scored the goal and I don't think enough credit went the way of Ganache for making that goal because yes, Rashford did pick the position up and credit to the striker. But you are Marcus Rashford, you already have a name yourself you know you you look at you know you said 18 but he might have been 17 when mm. he played against man city of all teams and he provided assist in the dying minutes i think that was sensational and you know maybe this is a step too far but would mason mount having the number seven jersey right now mm. i think he should be stripped of it mm. that's tough yeah i think he's he's had a a, a tough uh tough time at old trafford injuries have hampered his first few months and the team the form of the team isn't good at all it's not helping him the environment is not good we look when he was like really flourishing for Chelsea that season when they won the Champions League yeah. they were in a good team good environment free-flowing football and he looked like a gem of a player so he, he could really hit the man you know even balls in the box free yeah. kicks mm. um, long-range strikes um, yeah he was he just looks like a really uh, play with finesse and class mm. 100%. And you miss that Mason Mount. Mm. Um, another position or other play that comes to mind, Mason Greenwood. Mm. On loan at Get- uh, Getafe. Yeah, in, uh, he, he looks like he's doing well. And he's being linked to Barcelona. Barcelona now. Now, as a Man United, uh, let's call it, you guys are on the board of Man United, what do you do? Is it the vote to, to sell him or rather loan him? Or is it your vote to keep him? I, I would cut my ties with him. Um, as a big institution like Manchester United, you don't want to be anywhere near gender-based violence. Yes, the lady did come out and drop the charges, but you know it was pretty damning. We heard the audio. We know what Mason sounds like. We know it was him. So uh, it is a touchy subject, but I think United should steer clear from it. It is sad, extremely sad, because he was one of the best players that came out of the academy. And I, I say that with like a, a top, uh, they have a top academy. It's not just you. I think other players have also mentioned the quality that, that uh, Mason Greenwood had. Right foot, left foot, this boy can hit it. I, I'm going to go devil's advocate. I think we should keep him because the reason why is that Man United need players. If you look at now, Donny van der Beek is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players, like even 
Man United still have Anthony Martial. Mm. Um, there's still even Anthony, an 85 million winger. Yeah. So with Greenwood, he's lighting up La Liga at the moment. Um, yes, he had done wrong, but as the story goes, everyone deserves a second chance, guys. 100%. 100%. Okay. Um, I think we've spoken about United a lot, but let's keep things in Manchester and move the conversation over to City. All right. Calvin Phillips is probably going to be old. I think he pinned a six-year deal when he moved from Leeds. Uh, keeping in mind, he barely played for Leeds in that last season when he got the contract to move to City. Um, I'm not sure whether he was injured or what the story was, but I know Leeds went down and Patrick Bamford barely played. Calvin Phillips barely played. Bielsa was still there, but he had like, say his system was based on few players. And, uh, you know, Calvin Phillips was one of those players that really shone at Leeds. And I think his, his transfer fee was under 50 more. Yeah, just about. Yeah, which I think is an absolute steal for him. And if you ask me, I think he still could be worth the same um, amount that Man City played, uh, sorry, paid for me, despite him not playing as much. Nah, nah, I think, yeah, we need to lessen that. Maybe he'll go for a loan. Because I know Newcastle, shame, guys, Newcastle are going, it's, it's, it's tough there right now with players being injured and, and also with that player, you know, who can't play anymore. So Newcastle would be screaming at getting a player like that. Do you think um, Newcastle is right foot? Do you think Man City should sell to um, Newcastle? I mean, you've seen City sell plays to Premier League rivals. You know, Chelsea, look at what Cole Palmer is doing um, over there. Um, Zinchenko and Jesus has left Arsenal recent uh, years and look at what happened there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Suddenly we're involved in the title race and, you know, you look at Newcastle and what they're doing at their, at their home ground, which is practically a fortress right now. Do they strengthen that with a player like Calvin Phillips? I think if he's on the market, he should be someone they're looking at. Uh, they need to in- improve their depth. They've been hit with a crazy injury crisis. So, yeah, I, I think Phillips will improve most teams as well. So it's just, will they go near that price tag as well? Who can afford him? It's maybe Newcastle, Liverpool, probably even Arsenal, Chelsea. But these teams look like they set for DMs for the next few years as well. So, I mean, maybe Manchester United should be looking at Calvin Phillips. He, he could be a good option to get in there. So, yeah, I mean, good player. Hopefully someone snatches him up and he gets some playing time. Yeah. Um, I do think he's a game changer as well. But, you know, let's stay with Manchester City's results in the Premier League. So far, we've seen them draw 4-4 with Chelsea, um, 1-1 with Liverpool, 3-3 with Tottenham. Results against the top six, or rather the big six, haven't been going their way. And you have to ask yourself why, because they were also beaten by Villa in the same spell. Yeah, I I think I'm going to put this down to the level of the league. The league is so high right now. And, you know, teams are, are scoring goals. Uh, City are playing with four defenders in order to, four centre-backs in order to shut down teams. I mean, I mean that that's just the level of the league. So if you don't turn up, you concede. And yeah, it, it just shows. But look, we've seen this movie before. City go and win 10, 12 games in a 100%. row now. I was about to say now, and, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne hasn't been on and he was on the bench just last weekend. So the moment De Bruyne, Haaland, yeah, if those two, yeah. it's over. Do you think it's time for Julian Alvarez to move on because he's been handed the striker's berth for a long, 
period of time. I don't think the results um, met expectations, shall I say. If I'm him, where do I move to? Because this is a kid that's literally won everything. He's almost like a, mm. a Kante. Completed you know, football. He's, that, uh, he's, completed, he's football. completed football. So the only other thing he would, or only team he would move to is La Liga, your Barcelona, your Real Madrid. So unless he would move there, who knows? But if I'm him, I'm patient. I'm biding my time. I'm helping my team win another back-to-back trophy. Mm. And I guess you are playing with one of the best squads in Europe. So it's like you are challenging yourself year in, year out. 100%. Mm. Let's look at incomings into Man City. Do you think they need to sign anybody? You mentioned the likes of De Bruyne and Haaland still to come back from injury. Um, but then, you know, Jacques Cancelo left. And um, I guess they did relatively well without him. But can you see them actually signing anybody? I can't see them signing anyone. And another stat that I read uh, on SBN that Man City are the only team in the league not to lose any player because of AFCON and the Asia Cup. So... I mean, they still got their f- starting full a full squad, everything. Mm-hmm. So they'll go on and kick on. Yeah, interesting. Um, Naj, can you see them bringing anybody in? Does Waliola look, um, you know, outside the league rather? I don't think so. Uh, I think maybe he'll try to remedy things in house. He he likes to keep a small squad. So and and they look like they have a, a almost two players for each position as well. So uh, I think they they just need their players back and to kick on from that. I don't think they strengthen. Okay, um, yeah. Look, if you ask me, I, I do think that it's not the same Man City team that we've um, come to love so much. I don't think that they, um, you know, snuff out games as as much as they used to. I think they are um, shipping goals. Like I just said, some huge, huge score lines over there. Chelsea putting four past them. Liverpool, um, I think it's one one. Tottenham three three. Um, Villa one no. Even Crystal Palace found two goals mm-hmm. against. Man City, the juggernauts of football. So, again, I'm comparing them to Liverpool because it's been the Liverpool-Man City show for about five seasons now. Um, if you ask me, I do think that they do need to strengthen defensively because you should not be shipping this many goals. It's, it's not Man City-like. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if the problem is Edison or rather the defence in front of Edison because I think Edison is a relatively good shot stopper. I think his reactions are very good and his distribution as well. Um, but yeah, I think that there may have been too many defensive changes too quickly because uh, I think Stones was converted to a CDM. You know, they had a Kanji coming in. Uh, you know, players like um, um, there's a Frenchman Laporte. Yeah, I think Laporte doesn't play as often, or is he still there now? No, he left. Yeah. He's he's, he's gone, gone to there. Saudi now. Yeah, you see what I mean. There's been so many changes. <laughs> Luckily, Kyle Walker uh, was retained because mm. now there will be another long-serving defender. Leaving, and you're already shipping so many goals. Um, I just wonder if that could be a chink in this Man City. I'm only, only time will tell because the season has still like we're, we're only halfway through the season. So um, yeah, I think we'll have to revisit this point because I've I've analyzed that Man City team, and that's that's the weakness. If you can if you can run at those defenders, they might not just be on the same wavelength that we've come to uh, expect. Um, but you're speaking about uh, that challenger, Liverpool. They have a buyback clause in Dom Salanke's contract. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. That was entered, I think, when they were sold to Bournemouth. And he stayed at Bournemouth. And Scoring now, goals. Yeah, he's been offered a new deal at Bournemouth. But um, 
there is a buyback clause, and I think it's between 20 and 30 million pounds, if I'm not mistaken, which is incredible value for money for Liverpool. Yeah, it sounds like a steal. Um, whether they do take it on is another question because they've got a firepower up front and they've spent a lot in the past couple of seasons on their front line. So, yeah. I don't um, know if I'm Klopp, I'm not because, yes, I'm losing Salah to for a month only for the AFCON, but he, like you said, Nigel, he's still got loads of fire. Your Gagpos, your Nunes, who's still, I think there's, he's still yet to kick on and hopefully in this month he will. Um, there's a lot of players like, like that can just fill in that spot. Um, Liverpool really don't need another striker. Interesting. Because um, I actually think it's time for Darwin Nunez to move on. I think he's been at the club for one and a half seasons right now and he's barely scored for them. He's barely made an impact that you can actually say, oh my gosh, this is a Liverpool striker. Um, Liverpool is the only team, uh, maybe I could say at the start of the calendar, that I would put money on to beat Man City. At, uh, you know, in the head-to-head, uh, just because nobody else comes close. Maybe not, you can say Arsenal came close last season, but um, I think at the start of the season... You beat them be... this season. <laughs> we all did it. It's always... But it, at the start of the season, it's always going to be Liverpool-Man City, who's going to... 100%. You know, who, those are the top two, and, and that's what I mean. I'm not sure if Darwin Nunez is that striker to to take to Etienne and say, you're going to... You're going to get one. Yeah. I think we spoke about it a couple of weeks on, on the podcast as well. And I defended him. Um, mm. It's When I defend him, I defend him in the sense that when you look at a striker and the and things that you want from a striker, he, does, he ticks all the boxes. He even ticks the boxes where getting chances. And that's the biggest one. And if you look at the big chances missed as well, he's high on the list. I think he's the highest probably in the Premier League in terms of big chances missed. But if you look at the other names on that list, it's all serial goal scorers. And what you need from your striker is to get into good positions. And I think as Klopp and as Dow Nunes, I would say this is my dream striker. He also sets up a lot of goals. He's a, he's a menace in the front. Firmino did the same thing. Firmino yeah. was very good at what he did. And he actually had the final product. I mean, you mentioned ticking boxes, but honestly, that's the only thing he does in his boxes. Once those goals, <laughs> once those goals go for him, Dow Nunes will be a world-class striker. But, he is but just, we've heard this before. We've yeah. heard, how, when is enough enough? Because you shouldn't be keeping faith for that long mm. if you're a club like Liverpool. If you're, if you're further down the log, by all means. Yeah, 100%. But you are in the Champions League or rather... It'll cost you, yeah. It will come back to haunt or, you. Or rather Europa. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can finish it off. Like. Yeah, I just left that there. But um, you get my point. Like, it's Darwin Nunez. You're playing for Liverpool believe he has a number nine jersey. Yes, he does. three, four, five goals in the league. The number nine jerseys are cursed. You look at Chelsea, you look at Liverpool. I mean, look, in Liverpool, hey, Tottenham, I think even our club, Arsenal, Nigel. So it's something about that number. eh? Something about that number. Even Man United. Mm. Let's talk about the Arsenal number nine and Gabby Jesus. Mm. Hit or miss? I think Gabby is a hit when he's fit. Yeah. Uh, I think he's ha- been hampered by injuries. And yeah, it's it's sad to see. Uh, uh, it looks like he's declining physically. But I mean, when he's fit, he's on song. He's he's one of the best strikers in the league. So, it's a miss for me. I mean, if you can't get 20 goals a season, it's a, it's a miss. I think nobody could um, anticipate what a good first season he'd have mm-hmm. at Arsenal. It's now the second season that's, um, you know, Undone all the goodwill, good excuse me, goodwill that he's earned at the club. 
um, think pinning him down on a long-term deal was the right move. He had worked with Arteta before, and we've seen what he can do uh, for Brazil and at Man City. Um, pinning the uh, number 14 jersey to Eddie and Ketia. Do you think hit, Thomas? I think hit. I think Eddie will... Eddie is an excellent second striker for Arsenal currently, and he will be a top striker for many teams in the Premier League. Once again, some miss for me. Like that fourteen number, it's Thierry Henry. The guy has a statue. Okay, yeah. so he and like you said, Nigel, a second striker. Yeah, like look, Eddie is not going to be that number one guy. He, maybe in in a few years' time, but right now, Eddie's not going to be that guy. Nah, but he should move on. He he is a top striker. If you're gonna I go back to ticking boxes yeah. If if you're going to ask a, a striker to hold up play, to run the channels, to get into good positions and score goals, Eddie, because Eddie scored a lot of goals as well in his career. He's also England's under uh, mm. 21 top goal scorer. And mm. if you look at the names on there, Alan Shearer, Wayne Rooney, good company to keep. And you don't keep that by any any fluke. Mm. You keep that by scoring goals. So. I want to just elaborate here. Eddie Nketiah has, um, or rather, Bukayo Saka has scored more than Eddie Ketia. He's the only player that's scored more than Ketia this season in the for Arsenal in mm-hmm. the league. So he has shown, yeah, he has shown that he's um, scoring. But I don't think it's enough because he's played he's played a lot more yeah. games this season. In fact, than the last five years. I think I think it was a good show in faith in Arteta in him to give him the fourteen and say, hey, you know, get some game time, but. Eventually, along the line, they're going to cash in on it. And, and being a homegrown player coming from the academy, that's pure fro- profit going into FFP. So, I mean, okay. they're, they're all part of squad building, you know. You cash in on Eddie down the line. Mm. Um, Lisa, both strikers that I mentioned, you said must. Who is going to be that hit at Arsenal then? There's so many. Um, again, I have to talk about the player, Osimen. Like, he can, he would be more than 100 million, that's for sure but he would more than able to win us the league. Mm. I think for me, the a striker that can score over 20 goals, yes, Harry Kane would never go to Arsenal, mm. unfortunately. But if we can get a striker that can score us 20 plus goals, yes, mm. then there'll always be a hit for me. And you think Osman will opt for Arsenal over Chelsea? <sighs> I mean, I'm That's just tough. putting, putting it out there. And you know, Tottenham could also enter the race because... 100%. They really haven't replaced Hurricane with anybody. I don't think Rochalison is that like for like, even though he has played that center forward. But where do you find a striker? That's the problem. Where do you find a quality striker? Those are hard to come by nowadays. Yeah, I think the striker that Arsenal buy is going to be a level raiser. If they're going to buy it, they're going to spend over 100. And that category currently is Osimhen or Ferguson from Brighton. So it's not, uh, it's not a lot to choose from. But I, I do think... Either or would choose Arsenal because we get Champions League this year. We, we will get Champions League this year over hey. Chelsea. Only Chelsea can come with money and say, hey, we'll pay you more, more wages. And mm. but, uh, I think Arsenal have, um, obviously nobody can offer um, that number that Chelsea, or rather not nobody, but I don't think Arsenal can compete with Chelsea no. when it comes to wages. No. I'm sure that Chelsea wageable is phenomenal. They've <laughs> yeah. got 40 players. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, do they actually splash a hundred more on a striker? Do you think? I'm sure you guys are following in mm. um, Arsenal more closely than I am. So, yeah, what's I, what's the latest coming out from Arsenal's camp uh, regarding transfers? What's the Kroenke standpoint? What's Ateta's standpoint? Um, and you know, 
what's happening within? Do do they feel like the squad is good enough? Because I think injuries have have been problem for you guys. You know, look at Timber. Yeah. I think Smithro has come back, but not quite. I think defensively we have to improve in the summer uh, in this January transfer. If we're going to have to dip into the market, their priority should be either central midfield or defense because of the injuries. And then in the summer, a striker is priority. Yeah, I've also read the uh, same as you, Michael, that um, Arteta literally said we need cover for the front and at the back. So definitely a center mid um, party. He's injured, so and he wasn't even selected for Ghana the AFCON so we're light there strikers I've always said 20 plus goals but hopefully we'll get that in the summer but for right now we need a midfielder and another centre back 100% 100% what do you think has been the downfall of players like Martinelli Odegaard and Saka this season because they haven't hit the numbers that they used to well not used to or did they hit last season I think Ateta has um has forfeited some of our attacking prowess from last season to be more pragmatic and control games a lot. Um, I think in the Premier League, City have shown in order to win the league, you have to control games. There's no such thing as transition. Unless you're going to be an extremely Liverpool, extremely good Liverpool team and hit teams and punish teams in, in a transition-based game, mm. you have but to control. Control yeah. and dominate. You have to, you have to control. Yeah, 100%. You have to control the game. There's no other way you can win the league over a 38-game period so Ateta has realized that but the problem is we are not scoring enough yeah does he look at someone like Wolves um, attacker Matthias Cunha because I don't think he's been um, offered enough minutes this season and he really has been getting into good positions and you know Nigel is a tick box exercise mm. over here excellent think, player yeah Other excellent he's someone that comes to mind yeah. for me I know your criteria is 20 Legals. 20 plus goals yeah. and you know I don't think Cunha's hit that at uh, Wolves or rather Atletico Madrid but he's got an impressive CV because I think he came from Germany I think Leipzig uh, maybe Big Salzburg for, for, it was 50 yeah I think Wolves splashed 50 more for him mm. so mm. that would be taking a risk but I think it's a risk that could pay off right? yeah look top player I think uh, top movement he, he scores goals not the volume we kind of need right now, but yeah, top player. I think if there's if if there's any player I would like at Arsenal currently, it would be Morgan Gibbs White. I, I think. was gonna say Olise. I think he would elevate Arsenal a lot. Okay. O- Olise too, yeah. as well. He could give cover to Saka on the right. But um, he's playing week in and week out yeah. for Crystal Palace. So mm. if I'm going to Arsenal now, I'm gonna be on the bench. That's another thing. So yeah. But, you know, Gibbs White will have to compete with Odegaard because I cannot see a way that he's going to put both of those players in and would Odegaard be the club captain. And yeah. mind you, we still have um, it's the silver for Fabio who was injured. Mm. Vieira, yeah. Oh, Vieira for us, yes. Smith Rowe. He needs to get the ground running. Maybe he goes out on loan. He's got the number 10, Jazzy. How can you mm. loan up the number 10? That's like... Eight. Eight. He's, he's another player that's been hampered by injuries but is a top-class player. He just needs time. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think crossed. do you think Gibbs would actually chooses Arsenal? Do you think are there are there talks? Because you know, you you said midfield and when you said midfield, I didn't actually think the central midfield role. Mm. I actually thought the wider areas. And I, that's why I said Olise, no, even no. Eze. I think our wide areas are good. Uh we have depth there. Um it's the problem in the midfield and parties uh fitness. We we can't rely on him. I think uh um, Chao Polina. Mm. Mm. Another top player, but 
come won't come cheap 15 million but i don't think he fits our profile either after tw- under 25 year signings that we've been looking for that's mm. the thing arteta does have a profile mm. and if you don't meet that profile yeah you know he's not gonna even I think suggest only jorginho was like the exception to that recently where he went and got an older player Yeah, I think the only other guy that comes to or rather footballer that comes to mind is um Bruno Guimaraes at at Newcastle and I highly doubt he's going to he's going to unless you go there with big money to Newcastle. Yeah, cuz he signed a new deal mm-hmm. earlier in the season and Newcastle are also they're not willing to they've just been hit with a mammoth of injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're looking for that controller type, maybe Frankie De Jong could be an option at Barca I I know he's getting a lot of game time recently now he started playing so I mean they need someone in that to sit in that midfield next to Rice Rice must be the 6 and someone who can play next to him and then Odegaard is further up yeah I wonder if Andre Onana at Everton is that player could be uh could be uh, Onana could even do the 6 role and Rice to the 8 role so um variations in that sense as well top player Onana as well yeah be watching that Arsenal transfer um window very closely. Um chance we're going to wrap things up with Aston Villa. I think it's an honorable mention the mm. amount of uh business that they've done or rather smart business. Um I think it's been sensational and um a testament to where they are second second in the Premier League. That's half amazing. the season has gone and Unai, second mm. it's, it's 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 down to the manager. Unai has done incredible work and somebody um Jamie Carragher actually said He does so well in these smaller clubs. Not to say Aston Villa. Aston Villa back in the day, they have a Champions League. Mm-hmm. So, but Unai actually does so well in these smaller clubs. So, shout out to him. Yeah. Um I think that if you are the the Villa CEO, you know, your board member, owner, whatever, if you're in a position of power, I think you have to back him because uh if you look at the plays that have delivered since they, they've um come and you look at the likes of Musa Diaby, Uh, Leon Bailey um there's even the center back Paul Torres. Paul Torres I think he's going to be a Spanish international if he's not already a Spanish international very soon um possibly even a starting one um but even is yeah you know Donka they've they've got uh, Nicolo Zaniolo as well I think it's it's a strong um caliber of players that they've got to work with I think the group has elevated itself John McGinn has been playing through his socks. I'm not sure what mm. has been happening, but uh, you know, um the Watkins has been scoring for fun. Douglas Luiz looks like his value is now 100 if not more. Um you know, so where where to now for Villa? Who do they look to um can they offer Champions League next season because that right now I don't want to say it's wrapped up or certain, but you're second, I think just two points behind um man uh, excuse me liverpool i think yeah but for villa the thing is it's never it's never done until 38 games have passed and the last day of the season they need another striker um at least someone that's going to carry the load that uh oli watkins he's been on form too so they need another striker for me i don't know about what about you march i look uh i don't think they have the experience they are top team they they blowing teams away at home as well even uh getting some results on the way but i don't think they have the experience to go on to win the league mm. I, i do think they challenge they for lack, they lack that title race uh 100% no you know something about that 100% us arsenal fans know it all too well 
So uh, yeah, the the season is a marathon, and um, yeah, I don't think Villa's numbers would carry them to mm. the league. I just want to go back to Lalita's point. You mentioned that they need another striker to alleviate the load the the load from Ollie Watkins' shoulders. But honestly, I've watched him for a very um, long time, and I know that they've actually removed strikers from the equation and said you are the sole striker, and mm. that's actually when. He started scoring goals is when they didn't have a backup, mm. and I've uh, watched other podcasts and um, listen, and they said some footballers they work better when there's no competition. I know the idea is to have a backup and prepare for a situation where your striker doesn't score, your winger doesn't uh, cut in, and you know put a cross in. But honestly, they Danny Ings mm. was was yes. a Villa player for a very short Before space he went of time. To West Ham, West yeah. Ham, but he was at Villa. And they let him go because now they had to like spread the minutes and work with Danny Ings, and, and I don't think it was working out for him. Emery came in, I think he sanctioned the sale of Ings, and Watkins goes on on like a ten goal scoring run in like six seven games or something, and um, he's continued that this season. I think he's like on eleven goals or something for the season, so he's showing no signs of slowing down. So again, if they bring in another striker, the man goes. Does it does it then prove but that it's, point? It's the credit to um, Unai's coaching as mm. well. Uh, I just wish he had that sort of thing when he was at our club at Arsenal. Mm. But I think with Arsenal, it was maybe a step too high. And not to say for him because he this is a man who was at PSG, um, who won at uh, Villarreal and all these In other three, clubs, three uh, Europa leagues, I think hundred hundred percent. So. I, I wish he had that kind of mindset with Arsenal now and in saying that either Eddie or Jesus, you're the number one guy. We've got no one else, so make sure you gain confidence from that. But no, fair, fair credit to Ollie Watkins. He's been banging on form. Hopefully he gets selected for England. Time will tell. Yeah, I think his, his claim is like, I mean, it's there to see the whole world uh, can watch this. Um, but you know, if you are the Villa... Um, CEO, like I said, the board member, you've got to back Emery. Where and how much do you offer? What's your budget? Who are you looking at? And with the ties that he has to Spain, I see a lot of Spanish uh, players linked mm. with them. You even look at, uh, I'll talk to them linked into Italian players. Mm. Was the sporting director came from Italy. Now, um, Aston Villa sporting director had years at uh, Sevilla. Uh, and Sevilla also had some very... Um, you can look at the talent that was there. Yusuf Elnaseri, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isco at one stage. Um, you know, they brought Rakitic back. Um, you know, um, they've, uh, I think, uh, Alex Telles, you know, United. You know, so, Sevilla had a, a good pedigree of signings and dealings with bigger clubs. And now, because that, that uh, sporting director is now at Aston Villa, I think Aston Villa will have that strong pedigree now just because of the network uh, that is football. So, again, is it... Um, maybe one of the Nyaki brothers who are doing uh, the Williams brothers mm-hmm. at um, Nico. Yeah, Nico Nyaki. Nico looks like what if he's on the way to Aston Villa next season? Look, they want to explore the market. They look like they're already uh, taking advantage with the Pau Torres uh, signing. That was an excellent signing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pulled that out of the hats. I mean, um, and he's hit the ground running. So if they are going to explore that market, there's gems to be found in that Spanish uh, league. There's a lot of technically. Uh, uh, gifted players in that league um, that will fit right in. So, yeah, uh, good business already from them. Mm. 
Can you see them making any waves this uh, window? Maybe not in this window, but uh, it's it's a fair to mention. You mentioned about the sporting director, and and I think that was Unai's first thing. Moment come in, get all the fundamentals in place. You know, get a proper CEO, sporting director, um, someone ahead of recruitment. So those are the types of things that in any club you need in order for you to be successful. And you mentioned as well the links to his former club, Villarreal. That's where Paul Torres comes from. So I'm not going to be surprised if he dips back into that La Liga gravy again just to pick up these gems that will do very well in the Premier League. And maybe they can teach Manu a mm. lesson in terms of how to pick a CEO, <laughs> how to pick a sporting director, yeah. how to pick a coach <laughs> even. I'm just saying. Look, there's plenty of shots fired over there. So I think <laughs> we're going to have to kill the podcast right now. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing all things transfer related with you. Um, it's only the first week um, of the window. And I think next week will be a good place to judge who actually got some business over the line. Because there are some managers out there that want to get it done now. Mm. you know, And then there are some clubs that like to leave it for the last minute because... I think the bargaining power increases, you know, as you mentioned, you might pick up a few gems that um, are kind of stagnant, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll have to revisit this uh, before the transfer in the shot. And um, until that, uh, that day, take it easy. Thanks, Cheers. Dave. Thanks, Dash. Hit the Target Podcast. <laughs>